Welcome to Get This Shit, the bi-monthly podcast that answers the questions you've always had, but forgot to ask. Prepare your earballs. Why, hello, and welcome to Get This Shit. I am your host, Cassie. And today I am joined by my guest co-host, Malcolm. Hello, Cassie. Thank you so much for having me on again. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Yes, yes. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Perfect. Um, yeah, so Kaylee is out and about doing her thing. So we're going to have some guest co-hosts. And Malcolm is so kind. He was the next victim that volunteered. Uh, I gave Sam a break because I feel like I was kind of tapping him dry, tapping his creative homework talents dry. Yeah, take getting all the juice out of there. Yes, I yeah, I made sure I got every drop. (laughs) But uh, Sam and I are actually working on uh, a fun series. Oh really? Really? Can you share anything? No. Top top secret classified mission. Secret, yeah, absolutely. But you heard it here first. Spoiler Mm. alert. Ooh, maybe I'll post an Easter egg. I say that, and that's probably never going to fucking happen. (laughs) Just post a random picture and see if people can connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) So, how are you? What have you been up to? I I am doing great. I've, uh, you know, really been uh, uh, mostly just working recently. Haven't been up to too much. Uh, yeah. You know, recently I've been trying to get back into, uh, you know, the workout regimen of the new Amen. year. Yeah. You know, trying to trying to lose some weight. Um, you know, I've, like I said, I've mostly been working. One of the things at work that uh, recently happened was so I work at Lids, as as you remember. Awesome. Uh, you know, I work at their headquarters here in Indy and they recently had a really uh, unique uh, release so really? they started their own uh like kind of special website called lidshatdrop.com oh yeah cool. yeah it's really it's it's really really neat so they basically make their own in-house custom hats oh shit. so yeah yeah and they have the rights to so many different teams so they're basically making uh you know their own uh, you know like I don't know, like their own, you know, custom hats. Wow. And and this 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 So different brands, yeah. like small brands and yeah. stuff can like have a chance to Yeah, yeah. It's wow. it has been it has been such a hit and the oh, first the first GTS. uh rendition of hats that they release has uh uh was gambler themed. Ooh. So they were kind of, you know, based on uh, like roulette wheel and yeah, blackjack, you know, cool. that that type of vibe. Uh, you know, they even had one that was like kind of green, like a uh, like craps table. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, the under visor and everything. They're all different. Uh, you know, oh, colors yeah, the different and colors. Li- different styles. Man, of hat course. culture is fucking. It, they they've really deep. tried out there to cr- make hats more of a fashion. Uh, sure. you know, yeah, fashion thing accessory. rather than, yeah, an accessory to, you know, your overall look rather than just, you know, this is my team. I'm a fan. Yeah. You know, they're really trying to branch out. And that's what I really liked wow. about it. So they release, uh, I think, uh, not exactly sure what the release date is, uh, or release window is, but I think it's every, every month or so. Uh, you know, if you actually go Whoa. to the website, it tells you, uh, when the next hats are coming out, but they only make a, uh, a limited edition of them. So, you know, you wow. can really get quite the, quite the unique, uh, unique look. 
So that has been uh, for me, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of fun just to see how much it's uh, you know been a hit. So many people posting about it, you know, on various different social media. Oh, you know media. what? I think and I saw a hat the other day on my yeah. timeline on Instagram because I follow Lids. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, That's part. It, yeah, it's, it's probably part of that release. Yeah, they re- it re- so it first opened February 15th, the website did. Oh, my and God. It, it's so recent. It got, yeah, the first day it got a million. Uh, they had a million. Uh, oh, I, my God. Uh, sales, I think. A million in sales. In sales? Yeah. Oh my god! I thought you were just gonna say an engagement, and I'm like, wow, like engagement's great, no, but like no, they, sales is even better. Yeah, they had, <laughs> they had, they have, they've got engagement all over the world. You know, they're wow. they're working on opening so many offices all over internationally. That's what's up. They're you know, I can't you know share, share any. Uh, any I get it, top secret. But I get it. I get it. They, uh, we all have our secrets. <laughs> They, uh, you know, they've got plans to open in several different other countries. So it's going to be really interesting to, you know, to see those kind of flourish and grow because they've already opened a few stores in London and those have really taken off. And, you know, I'm really excited to see what the future holds. That's what's up. I need to take a look. I wrote it down in my notes so I can do shout outs for it so I can list it, you know, because Mm -hmm. all of our tens of listeners yeah, they want to know. They click everything. Yeah, they want. They love it. They want to see it. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> um, anything else fun? Oh, I did. You watch the Super Bowl halftime? Oh, of course. You know, of course. Oh, had to, it was baller. Had, had to had to go watch that. I really enjoyed it. I loved yeah. the uh, uh, the effect that they had on the floor with the lights yes. of it being the county and the streets and everything. I thought yeah, that was I so thought cool. That was cool. Um, you know, I wish that uh, you know, I wish it had been darker because I felt like yeah. they lost a lot of kind of the the pizzazz, so to sure. speak, from. Uh, it being, you know, daylight because it was in L.A. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe they lost a little bit there. But, uh, you know, I thought the music was good. Yeah. Overall. I fucking, I love Snoop Dogg. Like, anything he does, I'm like, ah, it's dipped in gold, man. Uh, Especially, like, Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg. They Mm -hmm. covered the 2021 Olympics. And then they also did a wrap-up of 2021. It's on Peacock. Make sure you watch it because they're fabulous. And then Kevin Hart did a winter Olympics wrap up because apparently Snoop was getting ready for the fucking baller super time, super time show, super, super time. bowl, super time now, <laughs> super bowl halftime, super show. bowl time. Go show. sports. Go we sports. have discussed uh, my indifference to sports. <laughs> <laughs> they're fine. I, I like the ones where people hit each other. I like to cheer for that. Um, yeah, whenever there's contact. And I love contact. soccer. I've always liked soccer. Oh, but. yeah, soccer. Yeah, yeah, I've mostly been a, uh, you know, football basketball person. Sure. Um, you know, a little while back, a few years ago, I was uh, really into ping pong because yeah. my friend and I would go to a ping pong league downtown and we had, uh, you know, a great time and I you know, really got kind of hooked on the sport and I, you know, still follow like, you know, in the Olympics or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, I've, I keep tabs on that. So it's, it's really interesting. It's such a, such a niche sport and yeah. And you know, it's, it's so easy to, you know, you can play well and you don't have to be you know great at it. Yeah. You you can be any age you want. It's Um, so, it's so accessible. I had like really early exposure to ping pong uh, at high school 
one of the math teachers, uh, Ertman, was a ping pong champion, like from oh really yeah around these parts. Uh, him and his wife they played competitively, and every Christmas break they would bring their ping pong table in, and they would play during lunch so we could watch them. And I mean they would. They'd be 10 feet back from the fucking table yeah, and just yeah. walloping on these things. And yeah. I, it was one of the most, like looking back on it, like how fucking strange in a high school. But I don't know. It was one of those super cool things yeah, that yeah, really I, uh, unique experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and what's also unique is they recently uh, made a change. So in ping pong, uh, like uh, competitive play, uh-huh. you'd only use red or black. Uh, rubber oh. on each side of the paddle okay. and they recently changed that so they're actually adding like some various different neon colors <gasps> so the colors have to be different from the ball so that you know you can see oh, it because sure. you have to you be able distinguish. to see where and how they're contacting it, it. sure because um, that's going to tell you you know what spin are they putting on the ball or what direction are they hitting the ball oh yeah no so, my eyes don't work like that yeah yeah, no, no, it, no, no, and no. it's and it's so fast, so it, I, yeah. it's insanely I can't keep fast. Keep up with the sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 so strategic. You know, you gotta you know your serves. There's a thing called a third ball attack, Shut which up. is when uh, you serve and then they return, and then the third ball attack is like your chance to go offensive. So that's what yeah, it's like an actual strategy no. that, that's, that's in it. So, you know, you're always thinking, you know, hits ahead. You know, how are they going to hit it back and where can I put the ball? That's so, insane. Yeah, there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot no. more strategy to it. You know, one of my one of my Fast favorite chest. favorite players uh, that I've watched a fair amount of, uh, he's retired now. He's an older player. Uh, his name is Jan Ove Waldner. He was a uh, like professional Olympic level table tennis player. Wow. From... I want to say Sweden, mm-hmm. May, one of those countries, Sweden or Norway, one of those countries. Okay. And he played for 50 plus years professionally. Holy shit. Yeah. And I, and I just, I just often think to myself, what would it be like to be able to play a sport for that long? Oh my God. No kidding. Yeah. E- even, uh, you know, like today, Tom Brady playing until he's <laughs> 40 some years old. I love Tom Brady on that yacht when he fucking said when he, when he hurls the Super Bowl trophy. God damn it, he uh, was hammered, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean everyone was, including the people who probably caught that. Oh yeah. yeah. Could you imagine the heart attack that when you just fumble it into the into the bay? <laughs> yes, because that's what would happen. Uh, I would get a huge gash on my leg, get gangrene, and then like also be like, oh, no. yeah, like roll into the water yes! after it. <laughs> I'll save you. Oh my God! A shark appears. We've never seen one in the bay. <laughs> never seen one of these before. <laughs> His beady eyes. <laughs> so shiny. Oh my God! That's so funny. Uh, so there's a lot happening in the world right now, but I want to know your, your thoughts and if you know anything about this um, specific thing. Avocado cartels. Avocado cartels. Yeah, that's part of the reason that avocados are going to be jacked up in price here for a second. Yeah, you know, I have noticed uh, I was at Aldi's the other day. Yeah. Where we we typically shop, and I noticed that the price of them had gone up a full quarter. Yeah. In probably in less than two weeks. Yes. Easy. Easy. It was quick. It was basically between, you know, shopping runs out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I saw it at Walmart in the Kroger. They either had super ripe, like, I'm sorry, super unripe mm-hmm. avocados or overly ripe avocados. Uh. So they were either baseballs or uh, water balloons. Oh, my God. Water balloons is the perfect way to describe them. Yes. Uh, A reptile egg. I've I've cut a (laughs) reptile egg. Yeah. Some creature's egg. Oh, you've cut into a bad one before? I've I've cut into a bad one before. Oh, my God. I I don't know. I mean, I've gotten like a bad like side where I'm like, whoa, didn't see that. Yeah. But I don't know that I've ever cut into one that's like a corpse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just avocado jerky. Yeah. I, and I had a I had an incident with an avocado once where I was no, I was going I went no. I went to I was I just put away the dishes but hadn't closed the dishwasher mm-hmm. and I reached and grabbed an avocado off the uh off the you know the counter. Uh-huh. And as I'm, you know, I'm grabbing the knife, getting the cutting board. Uh-huh. I'm going to I'm going to do this and uh, it just slips out of my hand no. and I probably like slap it. Yeah. You know, pop, pop it in the air <laughs> once or twice and end up, you know, a good foot away from where it would have just fell down and I would have just been a little sad. Yes. And then this one, uh, you know, I knocked up in the air and over and it actually speared straight down onto uh, one of the prongs in the dishwasher. Oh, my God. So I had, like skewered an avocado. <laughs> I was... And and it went through like just perfectly where it didn't hit the seed. Oh shit! Just, just on the, off just the, on the side That's off crazy. kilter. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. I thought I thought you were gonna say that you got avocado hand and you fucking cut your hand up. Ooh, because that's no. super common. Yeah, a lot of people do it. Yeah, I, I have done it before. No, and it's it it is. Uh, it's so easy. It's it's so easy, um, especially if you have a really sharp knife. Oh and, yeah, and you know you're really Al has you, super really, sharp knife. Oh, yeah. so sharp. Yeah, they just go through like butter. And if you're not Al- prepared for the oh, speed, yeah. it just goes right through your finger. Yes, and that's why you need that perfect one because a little bit of resistance, perfect mm-hmm. butter. Like that's what it should feel yeah. like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Anywho's the avocado cartels. So I, I was gonna do this as an episode because my friend Anne told me about it a little bit about it and I was like no fucking way so the more that I researched the more I was like I don't I don't think I should be on this website kind of thing like I was like sketchy real sketchy um I don't know if I'm on a watch list Uh, well (laughs) for some of the shit we we all are we're on someone's watch list but like I don't know if I made it to like you know the big boss or one of the big bosses but, uh, yeah, the uh, drug trade, you know, drug cartels were so strong and they had so much control and so much money. The I, people who lived, you know, next to these bountiful avocado farms and things like that, is some people just figured out, well, drugs, you have to know someone to get into and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't I just put this pressure on the guy who... It's a fucking hundred acre avocado farm over here. Yeah. So the same type of thing that went on with drugs and, you know, like going to different stores and you got to pay to play and all that kind of stuff started to happen to the avocado farmers. And uh, you basically have to deal with the avocado cartel to get the avocados over here. So someone who's in control of one of the avocado cartels threatened 
the ambassador, senator, whomever, the liaison to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. And then Biden was like, can't do that. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> Take it back. We're not taking your avocados. That's malarkey. That's malarkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully he doesn't send troops over just because of avocados. But anyway, I, we've seen less, right? I mean, fake stuff. We've seen fake stuff. This avocado <laughs> stuff's real. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. enjoy your avocado toast while you can. Wow. So, so when is uh like is that ongoing now? So from like four days ago, um, uh, some of the resources that I found uh, were saying that we had a eleven day stock of guaranteed avocados, and then mm-hmm. after that, they're going to become much more hit or miss. Very scarce because yeah, there's so few states. They yeah. even can grow avocados. Yeah, California does, but they are yeah. out of season yeah. right and now. One, and one of the problems, you know, that I, you know, just kind of know in the background is how much water avocados Holy take. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. And they, they have no water. So much water. So much yeah, water. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got the Colorado River where they're getting quite a bit of their water slowly drying oh up. Oh, my God. It's, uh, yeah, it's rough out there. I just yeah. saw a TikTok of someone who was on some sort of chili trip i'm not entirely sure where chili it was trip. i don't think that they were in an antarctica because they weren't dressed like what you see mm-hmm. on the news and whatnot anyway so they saw part of an iceberg crack off and fall into the water in front of them and they were standing like on the beach thing and they stood there for entirely too long because like what do you think is gonna happen if something big fucking drops into water and you're near it there's a wave. Big wave, yeah. Yeah. It's a tsunami of some, mm-hmm. you know, like a small tsunami. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And like, we're trying to back up. And I'm like, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? It just goes, Bloop. like, yeah. but it was huge. And people were like, why are you fucking cheering in the comment section? Oh, I saw someone was like, that's Mother Nature crying. <laughs> I was like, you're probably not wrong, but... Mm-hmm bit dramatic here in the comment section yeah yeah <laughs> speaking of comment sections have you seen the trailer for the new amazon uh like lord of the rings prequel the rings of power tv show no you haven't seen the trailer yet uh-uh. so yeah you'll have to hop on youtube and check okay. it out the, the reason i brought up the comments thing is yes. because when uh the trailer came out there's quite a bit of uh you know like hate and dislike towards it because Ugh, it looks like always. they changed some things yeah you know, which I'll kind of withhold judgment for now. Yeah, yeah. Until I see it, because you know, may, maybe maybe they can maybe they can pull it through. Mm-hmm. But it kind of depends on what Justify they what, what exactly they end up changing. Sure. Because a lot of uh, you know, and, and the story that they pick to mm. to choose to to mm-hmm. tell. Um, but the comments on the video, they were they were all basically the same, and there was a uh, it was all a you know, quote from, from Tolkien that, you know, that they were quoting oh, uh-huh. and it said, uh, evil does not have the power to create. It only has the power to, uh, like, uh, destroy, destroy. I think, yeah. uh, or some, something like Decimate, that. Decimate. Yeah. Yeah. I, di- I didn't write it down for the, for a podcast here, but it's, it's something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. in any way it was in multiple different languages Ooh. and that was, that was kind of, kind of cool and interesting, but That's it got cool. so much hate. 
I was That's I was sad. really surprised. It was a big out, uh, you know, kind of outburst. You know, I think huh. with maybe with uh, you know the trepidation uh, or the not the trepidation the uh, the issues that the last Star Wars trilogy had that people oh, who sure. you know kind and of then what's his kind fuck of love. face fucking up Justice League or whatever. Yeah, and uh, you know, I I think fans are just a little hesitant. Sure. To you know, fully that. buy in. You know, I've definitely felt that way with video games before. Oh sure. Uh, you know, because I, I really enjoy playing those. But sometimes you know you can get really screwed over if you're you know yeah. pre-ordering games before they even come out, before you've seen them. Yeah. Maybe there's things they haven't showed you. You know, there've been some real sure. horror stories the last few years. I Sam was just telling me about oh fuck, what franchise was it? It was a PC game, and then they only released it like mobile or something. Um, I per, not preacher. Um, oh god. Any hoozles. They just totally fucked him over and they didn't say anything until it was the release and it was only for fucking mobile. Ugh. I can't remember what it is. Yeah. It's red. <laughs> the thing. Yeah, I, I can. Funnily enough, I can remember a few years ago I was watching. So Blizzard, they make yeah. World of Warcraft. Yes. And they also make you know Diablo. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, series and Starcraft. I remember a few. So they, they have their own convention called BlizzCon. Oh yeah. Now, now they haven't had it the last couple of years because of COVID, oh, and, and those issues, uh, you know, getting that scheduled mm-hmm. and the people and everything. So a few years ago, this is probably like three or four years ago, they had a, a BlizzCon where they released they were going to release the new Diablo game. I think. And I think it, this is what Sam was telling me about. It was. It, was, <laughs> <laughs> it may may have been. Uh, it. You know, they they go to reveal it, and it's like Diablo Immortal. And they have a they have a trailer, a gameplay trailer, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it's like, oh, this looks interesting. And then it's uh-huh. like coming soon to your iPhone. Yes, yes, <laughs> this is exactly and, it. And everyone booed that <laughs> booed yes! when it came on because they're like, what the hell? You're making you're not making yes! a computer game, you're making a mobile game. Um, you know, to such a beloved series oh, as Diablo. Oh my god, I can't imagine. I'd be yeah. fucking crushed. Yeah. And then the guy comes up, gets on, gets on uh, the questionnaire afterwards, and <laughs> and he says, someone, I think be. someone asks him about it, or he comments on it. And he says, "What? Don't you guys have phones?" <laughs> and I was just like, "That's not the point." Go fuck yourself. This is point. how it's been. Like, both. You give us both. Yeah. We yeah. like it because of this, like, it's a thing. Yeah, well, Shut up. well, I mean, it seems to. God, you can tell he doesn't play his game anymore. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it seems. I mean, what kind of sucks about video games is just the the you know hyper fixation on the financials, mm-hmm. where you know every game is a live service. We're not going to release like brick and mortar disc copies. Sure, We're just going to get sure. downloads, downloads and give people the rights for you know. I mean, you know, granted, you can buy it and you'll have the rights, you know, in perpetuity, assuming, you know, sure. the world doesn't end or the company doesn't shut down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, it can be quite the, uh, you know, the slap in the face yeah. when, when you get news like that, especially if it's, you know, something you've been they've been hyping because I remember sure. they, they were hyping it, you know, on social media. Yeah. Like, I remember they, they released an announcement of it and people really I mean, excited. I recognized it. I didn't know what yeah. it was, but like, I know what it looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, I think with Diablo, it was really just a uh, you know financial decision because sure. so many I, people yeah. in Asia, and China, you know, or sorry, in Asia, you know, China specifically, and as Japan as well, as they play so many mobile games sure. because so many of the people over there they're on trains all the time. I, yeah, they're moving. And That's grooming. how they're getting around. Sure. You know, they're not 
really flying from one part of the country to the other. They may have their apartment in the city where they stay at while they're working during the sure. week, and then they leave and go out, take a train out to a village or city in the country. Yeah, and go visit mom and, and dad they, yeah, or see, whatever see their family. And while they're out, well, you know, while they're on there, you can't carry a console around. Yeah, you, I mean, big bulky things. Yeah, and like know, laptop you, is not really practical either. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of... a gaming laptop definitely not. Oh, sure, thing, sure, sure. I mean, for one, it's going to be super expensive, and you know, we're in the midst of chip shortage, so you know, oh. so many people upset about computer parts and wow. and, and those type of issues. Uh, but uh, damn. Uh, it's, I understand it, it, it's it, just that's what people sucks. that's the, yeah that's that's a choice they've decided to make is you know we need to tap into the market of you know commuters sure. who we can you know make, make you know, sell these Satisfy. games to yeah yeah damn so it'll be interesting to see how you know everything you know starts to turn out with them because they've also had issues you know with their whole team there in Irvine you know with sexual harassment oh sweet God. Uh, you know all types of you know that type of stuff we're talking lawsuits wow with I had state. no idea yeah with the state attorney so you know that's all still being litigated you know, wow. I haven't really looked in on it recently so I'm not sure how it's doing but you know they you, you can tell definitely so I play World of Warcraft quite a bit yeah yeah you know it's probably one of the games I, I, I tend to return to I like to do you know like raiding you know you get with your guild and you go face down some bosses in a dungeon it. oh, it's so much fun I love it it's such it's such a fun time you know to get to spend with people who uh, you know who you enjoy yeah. and, and you know live across the country sure uh, I really enjoy watching people play video games because I mm. I am not capable. Yeah. Do you it, watch uh, streamers at all? Yeah. Like any, is there any video game streamer you like I to watch? I wouldn't know their names off the top of my head yeah. uh, just because, you know, you copy and paste that shit. Mm-hmm. And I follow them and uh, I don't have to know their names. But I find them on TikTok yeah. a lot. What, uh, any games in particular? That, that you've watched um, them play? I, there's been a couple of 8-bit-like games. Oh, yeah. Like blaster games. And uh, there's one where there's a car and they like they run cars around. like a Rocket League? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you and Al told me about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, my sister's boyfriend... He yeah. he's uh, like a content creator mm-hmm. and a uh, 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 you know he's got his own YouTube and everything, but That's he also that. plays competitively as well. And you know he's like a demolitions expert. Yeah. So he's he's driving around taking people out oh of the my game, God, just killing them. Oh yeah. yeah. That's it's awesome. Great. Sometimes he'll put compilations on his actual YouTube channel. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's, it it is a fun game. Especially if you get, uh, you know, several people together. Oh, sure. And you haven't even played before. Oh, man, that's a time. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, we would have to yeah, it takes, record it takes, the first time I it, ever played it because, oh, Lord. It takes practice to uh, to get used to the physics. But, sure. but the, I mean, the scheme of it's great. It's just Hot Wheels soccer. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which, you know. That's genius. Hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, but I've seen so many... Uh, Eight uh, bit games, yeah, and yeah. games of that you know that that sort, uh, you know, older type games that you know you would have seen like on the the Game Boy or whatever, and it's yeah. it's so interesting to see you know a revival of that. Yes, I feel like I am competent enough for those. Like I can handle that. Like Game Boy games, I can handle most of the time. 
but I like I go to like N64 and that's where my mm-hmm. expertise stops. I can play Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Sam hooked it up when I, I was recovering. It was fucking sweet. And then I would watch him play and then I'd fucking conk out for a nap and wake back up and he's, you know, three levels up or whatever. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, shit, gosh, yeah. I remember playing that so much. You as got a the kid. lanky guy now. Sweet. Yeah, you're Diddy Kong. Yes. Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong. Yeah. I remember uh, those. All of them. I finding, loved it. finding the secrets in the, in the yes. map. That Dude, so he remembers fun. so much because we also have a Super Nintendo and we have Donkey Kong on the Super Nintendo too. Yes. And he fucking remembers like all where the rhinos and the octopuses are hidden and like all yeah. that shit. And the coin games and shit. No, no, no. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get to the end of the level. Yes, I'm here for meat and potatoes only. (laughs) I gotta run through. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, imagine uh, watching the first person to play... or someone's first time, you know, back in the day playing Mario. Super oh my Mario. God, yeah. It's like, I just got to survive. I just got to dodge these walking yes, mushrooms. They're going to eat me. Sweet God, the floor really is lava. <laughs> Fucking hated those levels. <laughs> I am so glad that you were able to come on today because I, like, I would have never gotten to chit chat about video games with Kaylee. She'd be like, no, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> quote quote Kaylee shut up <laughs> no more yeah or she would look and go no <laughs> no yeah veto games is my wheelhouse I so. love it I love it well did you bring us a, a bit of a tale today I did indeed wonderful Cassie. and I'm really excited to chat with you today about George Armstrong Custer Custer. I love it. Yeah, not not custard. Okay. So I made that mistake myself yep. while okay. I was doing research. Thank God. So, uh, Thank so it's God. Custer. Uh, Sam made fun of me hardcore, and I was like, listen here. He sounds like a delicious bitch. <laughs> <laughs> delicious flavor. Yes. Yeah, I was I was talking with Al uh, uh, yesterday, and I was searching for pictures for our podcast today. I love today, it. And I had stumbled upon an ice cream shop that had a... Uh, uh, flavor Stop it. called Colonel Custard, oh, and it just it God. made me laugh so hard. Was it just straight vanilla? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I could I could only read the name. I don't sure. know what flavor, but <laughs> should have yeah, just been it, vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> so, Cassie, what do you know about George Armstrong Custer? That his name is not Custard. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Yeah, that's what I, I know I, pretty I've asked, much. I've asked he's on f- the wrong side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've asked, I've asked a few people about him. You know, for me, uh, you know, kind of having you know the history degree, the history yeah. background. There's definitely more of a, uh, a like a grayer side to him than I was expecting. I was expecting sure. my research to kind of reveal that he was a lot more. Uh, uh, you know, villainous. Sure, really. all shitty. You know, I think that a lot of people kind of think that he was, uh, you know, he was an irrational jerk. You know, yeah. he arrogantly and vainly led his men to their untimely deaths at uh, Little Bighorn. You know, I think that people oh, maybe mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of know, you know, like some of the names, like Sam you know, Little has Bighorn. told me a uh, couple highlights. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know, on the opposite end, there's also have been romanticization efforts. Made sure. to you know, kind of recoup his reputation, massage it a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I mean, 
I'm I'm really excited to chat with him today. Uh, you know, I mean, his, his a lot of Custer's kind of heroic fame stems from the Civil War and what happened in the Civil War. Sure. Yeah, and one of the great things about the Civil War is that we have so many documents. We have so many letters, oh, so many yeah. journals, diaries, uh, you know, uh, mail that was just sent, you know, back and forth wow. to loved ones. Um, you know, because I mean, I when you think about it, that. when you're on the road, you know, marching as a soldier miles, hundreds of miles away from home, that can be like kind of your only outlet. Yeah. Being able to just send letters home to let them know that you're doing okay. Mm. So, uh, you know, one of uh, one of my motivations today for kind of researching and choosing Custer was that I received a book uh, for Christmas cool. titled Personal Recollections of a Cavalryman with Custer's Michigan Cavalry Brigade Ooh. Uh, in the Civil War by J.H. Kidd, James Kidd. Uh, so, you know, that kind of inspired me to want to look into him more and see, you know, okay, what uh, what really is going on? You know, so I read through this book, uh, you know, and it provides a, uh, a lot of, you know, detailed background on like the daily life of soldiers and kind of gave wow. a bit more glimpse into Custer as well. That's cool. Yeah, because, uh, you know, he served with Custer for 15 months during the Civil War. He served Shit. under him, and and James Kidd eventually became, I believe, a brigade general wow. in the Civil War. So quite pretty high up, you know. And he commanded his own troops. Um, but there's so many, you know, in my research, I found so many conflicting viewpoints on Custer. I bet you know, even even during the period. So James Kidd writes about Custer, saying, you know, Custer quote Custer was not a reckless commander. He was not a uh, he was not regardless of human life. Uh, wow. No man could have been more careful of the comfort of their men than Custer. But then we also see opposing view to that completely. Uh, so there's a quote by one of General Sheridan's. So General Sheridan, we'll talk about him later. Okay. Uh, he's uh, one of the Civil War generals uh, that Custer serves under. Uh, and one of his officers is quoted as having uh, uh, said about Custer during the Indian Wars, which would have been after mm -hmm. kind of later in life. And that's kind of where later in life is really where this stuff goes bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, for, for him anyway, you know, outside of, you know, his, his death, of course. <laughs> you know. So, so, so this officer, he's quoted as saying, uh, quote, we all think, much as we lament Custer, that he sacrificed the 7th Cavalry only to ambition and his wounded vanity. Oh, shit. So I'm really excited to get there, you know, kind of to the end when we start talking about the 7th Cavalry. Damn, that's cavalry. a diss. Yeah. And, and so, so these kind of these different quotes, the different viewpoints that we get is what I really wanted to, uh, you know, kind of chat and explain further yeah. you know, as we learn more about Custer. So, I love that. Uh, you know, I just want to, you know, explain why he's famous and why he's also infamous. Ooh. So so let's dig into Custer himself. <clears throat> Fabulous. So. Custer was born in New Rumley, Ohio on December 5th, 1839, to a blacksmith, Emmanuel oh. Custer, and uh, his mother, Marie, or oh. Patrick. Uh, she was just a homemaker. He had two brothers, Thomas and Boston, and a younger sister named Margaret. He also had three half-siblings uh -oh. uh, that he didn't necessarily see very often. They were in other states. Okay. Uh, now, George and his brother, brothers were well-known, you know, tricksters and jokesters, always going around, doing pranks, being daredevils, 
you know, just not really, uh, uh, you know, being more more troublesome. Sure. You might say. Uh, oh no. And, <laughs> and 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 what's interesting is George's father uh, was a Jack, what's called a Jacksonian Democrat. So this, so Jacksonian Democrats kind of where the uh, the our Democratic Party of today uh-huh. was created was oh, like back okay. in back in those days, back in the eighteen hundreds. So, oh, so yeah, yeah, and and his his dad uh, was really strict with him. You know, he he would always teach George and his brothers. You know, we have to be tough, we have to be strong. But then he would also teach them about politics. Huh? He would right. kind of explain his own political positions to him. So he got a little bit of uh, you know maybe more more of a dose of of you know the wider world. Than some other sure. people uh, got to yeah, because because their dad their dad just cared about that type than of other stuff. kids yeah mm-hmm. yeah now now as far as schooling goes school back in those days was basically just for men no way uh, yeah so and not only men it was really only for you know men well, who had parents that had money sure uh, you know. Like I said, it was usually men who who would go off there. I mean, women. What'd you say? I said, "What about college?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, oh, no. You know, uh, you know, college college back in those days really boiled down to three options for you. Sure. Yeah, you, know, you either had the money to go to an Ivy League school. Yeah. You uh, maybe owned land, so you're let's say a, a farmer that had a lot uh-huh. of land, uh, but you didn't necessarily had you know a lot of money sure. or anything like that. And you'd go to an agricultural school. Sure. Uh, you know that's that became really popular. You know it's one of the fields that we needed in those days. Yeah. We needed to be able to feed people. Or you would be going off to a military college. Cute. So we're talking West Point. Yeah. We're talking the Citadel in South Carolina. Or, you know, maybe like the Virginia Military Institute. There's several of them along the eastern seaboard. I have no idea. Uh, but West Point's the most important one. Sure, sure, sure. So if I know that one. Yeah, if there's any that you, you want to remember, it's that one. You know, it's the most important. Uh, you know, even for the Civil War, that's the place that's going to be training most oh, of the wow. officers yeah. that are going to be fighting in the Civil War on both sides. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So so back to Custer. Awkward. So George, you know, his schooling, uh, you know, is pretty uneventful for the most part. Uh, he spent uh, most of the 1840s after he was born. He spent most of that in Michigan Ooh. where he, uh, he, he lived with one of his half-siblings' parents to go to school right because on. they could afford a school up there. Uh. And he went to a place called McNeely Normal School. In Hopesdale, Ohio. I love it. So yeah, so Super you, you know it. Here, you know guys. it's great when the school is literally called "Welcome to Normal School." Uh, yeah, the uh, elementary, uh, not elementary, but the <laughs> middle school that I went to uh, was originally a college, and it was called Strange. Strange University. College. Yeah. <laughs> Strange University. Uh, strange, <laughs> strange University. Why? Oh man! I Why think name it these I, things? I, we're totally normal here. I agree, but man, like the marketing team, they could do some yeah. real fun stuff. Yes, they could really, <laughs> really get their hands dirty there. Want to be strange? So, so Custer went to McNeely Normal School in Ohio. Uh, so th- this is a school that he would have went to after Michigan, and okay. this is this is a school. Um, so he's going to be like seventeen, eighteen. All right. Uh, he's. Uh, gonna go to this school and it's it's a school where you go to become a grammar teacher 
or an oh. elementary school teacher, we might call it now. Alrighty. So in 1856, he graduates, 18 years old, graduates from the normal school, and he teaches grammar school for about a year. It was in 1857, you know, that he's like, you know, I don't know if I really want to continue I feel that. going on with, with, with teaching. I think I want to do something else. So he ends up enrolling in West Point. So he enrolls in West Point to pursue a military career. Um, And he ends up enrolling in a five-year program with 75 other students and was slated to be a part of the class of 1862. Now, the program itself ended up being shortened by one year and ended up being a four-year program. Okay. Do you want to guess why? Um, War? Yes, you did it. <laughs> yeah, <I got laughs> it was it. it was the Civil War. Oh Lord! Yeah, so <laughs> well, here's mm-hmm. residency, kids. Yep, yep. So they they immediately got punted onto the battlefield. Oh, so Custer, Custer's going to graduate in June of 1861, wow. two months after the start of the Civil War. I I had no idea he was so young. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, at, like goodness. When... He's, yeah, he's his early twenties, wow. or, or even maybe not even twenty yet. Um, uh, useless. I would have been useless. Yeah, I mean, I mean, these guys, <laughs> these these men and and women too, of course, they got thrown into a crazy time in history. A shit fest. Yeah, my God. Yeah. Now, Custer graduates in, like I said, in June of 1861, two months after the start of the Civil War. Uh, his class size, like I said, was 75 people. Only 34 ended up finishing Holy to graduate. Shit. 23 of them had to drop out for academic reasons. They just couldn't, uh, couldn't, could, could, couldn't make it. Uh, and 22 of them left to join the Confederacy. <gasps> oh my so god. So a third of his graduating class left to join the Confederacy. So of the remaining 34 students that graduated, Custer finished dead last. 34 of 34. <laughs> He's crawling across the finish line. Girl, I feel that. I was like in the last 20. It's cool. And, and this was a position that was known as the GOAT. Uh, oh. The GOAT. Much different than yes, our goat. Yes, yes, there's a much different, we've got a, you know, goats, goat timelines here. Different, yes, different, different goat timelines. Goat multiverses here that goat we've entered. multiverses. So, yes. so that basically meant, uh, you know, that you, you just, you finished last and. Yo goat, yeah. It, it wasn't, it wasn't very good. Now, during his four years at West Point, Custer received 700 and 26 demerits. God damn. In four years. And was nearly expelled multiple times. Wow. Due to the disciplinary code at West Point. Because, of course, the military college is strict. That's a lot of demerits, yo. It is a lot. It's In fact, it's the, I I believe it was, it's the most in history of West Point. I, to that point, it was definitely the record. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. at that time, it was definitely the record. No but I don't know if someone else, you know, pushed the boundaries a little more. I did look it up, and it did say online that uh, two hundred at two hundred demerits in a single year, you automatically get kicked out of the school. Holy shit! So, like I said, he had seven hundred twenty-six. So he was riding that line. Yeah, man. <laughs> multiple years in a row. He know what he knew what to tiptoe on. Oh uh, boy, he really did. Um, you know, and on the outside. Custer always had a really good, you know, facade. Sure. He was always well-dressed, uh, you know, always respectful. But on the inst- 
on in the inside I, he's really just an instigator you know like the, that <laughs> that prankster in him yeah. it followed from he and his brothers in childhood to this point sure. at west point uh you know the local the local minister there at west point was oh, quoted as uh, uh remembered custer as quote the instigator of devilish plots both during the service and in Sunday school. Oh my God, same. That's my <laughs> stage name. And a fellow uh, cadet that was alongside him also had uh, some comments on Custer. He said that Custer would declare that there were only two places in class, the head and the foot. And since he had no desire to be the head, oh my he God. aspired to be the foot. Uh, there you go. And then and then his uh, one of his roommates at West Point was quoted as saying, Quote, it was all right with George Custer, whether he knew his lesson or not. He simply didn't allow it to trouble him. It's like, wow. Wow, he just didn't allow it to trouble damn. him. Damn. He just, he just didn't give a goddamn. His give a damn was busted. Zero fucks given. Love it. So normally these demerits, along with uh, you know finishing last in class and all the disciplinary issues, normally that's going to be the one-way ticket to a dead-end career. Sure. They're going to put you in like the shittiest place, yeah. shittiest post in the country, somewhere far away from any attempt at ever getting promoted. <laughs> but, you know, because of the Civil War, he received, War. Uh, you know, postings above his station. Wow. He was able to kind of you know, ascend a ladder because he was able to like put the rungs in. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's essentially what it was because, you know, like I said, normally he's going to be, you know, pushed out like a pariah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when the civil war originally happened in 1861, so many of the officers went to the Confederacy that were, you know, veteran officers. Oh, they had the shit. experience, you know, the yeah. Confederates had all the experience at the beginning of the war. Sure. It was, you know, it ended up being such a problem. Wow. For, for the union that they were just, you know, just like, hey, you've got some education. You're an officer. You, you can lead men into battle, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like a 19-year-old store manager. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so now we're going to follow wow. Custer into the Civil War. You know, right. this is This is his time to shine. This is where he gets his, uh, uh, you know, the, the bravado portion of his character. Sure. Like I said, Custer graduates from West Point and joins the Army of the Potomac in 1861. So in, in that time, the Union named their armies after rivers, and oh, okay. the Confederacy would name their armies after states. So Army of the Potomac, if it's a river, it's Union for sure. Okay. In 1861, he was put in the Army of the Potomac as a second lieutenant and chose the cavalry as his wow. branch of service. Uh, he was originally just a part of drilling new fresh volunteers he oh, wasn't involved okay. in commanding right away um but in 18 uh, in 1861 just a month or sorry ju- in july of 1861 just oh, a yeah. month after joining graduating from west point he's gonna see action in what was called the first battle of bull run at oh. manassas junction okay and this is the first major battle of the Civil War. Oh, my God. Um, you know, there's there, there was a few skirmishes here and there before then, but this is the first full-on battle between the Union and the Confederacy. And it took place uh, right outside Washington, D.C. You know, a place uh, oh. that's very close to D.C. Knocking on heaven's and, door. Yeah. And it was there were so many citizens that came out. And oh, yeah, they, fucking picnicking they, and shit. They had picnics on the hills outside of this place, and they were watching the battle. And of course, Can you, you know, imagine. Yeah, and of course, 
uh, you know, the Union was is defeated in that battle. You know, they retreated and ran away. Well, so no all these one. people had to just drop their picnics and leave them. Oh, and, shit. Yeah, and the Confederates overtook the entire area. <laughs> this is my jam I now, I, Brenda. I, I saved up for a week for this picnic. Oh, my God. Could yeah. you imagine? Oh, and they're going ham on that picnic. Yeah. They're hungry after that battle. Yeah. After whooping some yeah. Union ass. And, and Custer, oh during during this battle, is, is really just a messenger at this point. He's riding back and forth, no. you know, giving different... <laughs> Different, Jim said that it's all clear yeah, up different, front. Different orders from the gotcha. generals to the different elements of the army so that they know Frank what to do. Frank said we're fucked. <laughs> yeah, it just unfolds like a fucking letter and it just, it just two words you fucked on it. Dearest general, Dearest, we fucked. We fucked. <laughs> Run for your Regards. fucking lives. Yes. Regards, Regards. Jimothy. <laughs> Best wishes. Uh... Uh, so Custer's going to continue his service until October of 1861. Ooh, okay. Uh, he becomes ill and has to oh, go to a hospital. Wow. So he's basically out of commission until February of 1862. Now we're going to connect with him again in May, a few months later. Okay. In 1862, he resurfaces and he's going to be under the uh, the still Union general of uh, General George McClellan. And he's a he's going to be uh, one of the first generals that gets put into this position, the position of the Union Army, you know, Army of the Potomac, the primary army that they have. And he reports directly to Abraham Lincoln. Holy shit. Mm hmm. And now he's a super conservative general. Great. He is scared out of his mind of Robert oh. E. Lee. Because, like I said, all of the commanders and officers are veterans, and at this yeah, point, he was and, not nice. and at this point in in the uh, in the war, the Union hasn't won any big victories. Cool. So they, they you know, they're scared. Robert E. Lee, they're like, this guy's Sam gonna do some magic. Shake in they're their go, boots. They're gonna do some magic and and defeat us. So he's just being. <laughs> He's just he's just being so conservative. You know, McClellan is such a conservative oh, general. Yeah. Now, in May of 1862, during what's called the Peninsula Campaign, oh. this is a campaign that takes place on the peninsulas of Virginia. Oh, shit. Did you know that Virginia had peninsulas? Nope. Yeah, they, they are tiny peninsulas, but if you look on a map, they are there. There's, there's a, a few okay. of them. Uh, but 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 they're basically just just rivers that oh go through, yeah, and then gotcha. there's kind of it kind of looks like like the, if you look like open your hand up, oh, and yeah, it's gonna look like your fingers basically. Okay. So so on one of those, uh, on one of those uh, peninsulas, you know, that's where this campaign takes place. Oh god. So it's kind of just this back and forth, you know, of moving. I mean, so much of it is just is positioning armies, trying to get your opponent to make a mistake. You're not sure. you're not just you know like. You know, charge! You know, we're not doing yeah. we're not doing any of that yet. So um, just a bunch of what's your name? Yeah, where are you? <laughs> yeah, you know, doing. I so, love it. Yeah, just 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 trying to figure out where the enemy is because you know that area, of course, is also hilly. So you can oh, yeah. you can Lots get yeah you can get so out of position because you know if an enemy's just got troops on the other side of the hill and you're facing the other direction, you're oh kind of screwed. sure, yeah, you fucked. So you have to have like. 360 degrees of scouts ready to yeah, no report kidding. enemy movements. God, need a now, leg of loss. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of... Uh, Custer did a little bit of that, you know, because okay. he ends up teaching some some scouting later on. Uh, now, during this Peninsula campaign in May of 1862, Custer's 
helping out McClellan. Okay. He's with his retinue. So that's the group of people around the, the general. And he hears the general mutter uh, when they're trying to cross one of the rivers, specifically the Chickahominy River. I just wanted to say. Did you practice? Ch- that? I just wanted to say Chickahominy. <laughs> Uh, what a great name. Uh, so here's Custer. Here's this general uh, muttered, muttered uh, you know, out loud. I wish I knew how deep it was or it is. And Custer dashes forward on his horse no. to the middle of the river, turns around to astonished officers and shouted triumphantly, McClellan, that's how deep it is, general. <laughs> 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 so he flipped him off and was like, yeah. "My guy." <laughs> He's like, "All y'all, all y'all people, cowards." Oh my god! <laughs> let, me, let me let me just tell Can you. Can you not swim? You're not yeah. good swimmers. Yeah. Now, now Custer. <laughs> <laughs> now during the uh, the Peninsula campaign, uh, they do run into some Confederates. Uh, Custer's going to see combat. Shortly after they cross the river, uh, and he's going to be leading an attack with the 5th Infantry and Cavalry Regiments, and it's going to result in the capture of 50 Confederate soldiers and the first Confederate battle flag of the war. And keep in mind, this is a big deal, because flags back in those days, they were like a part of your unit. Yeah, that was your shit. And, And that's also how generals see where the hell you are. Because, sure, because, yeah. because at the beginning, there was also the issue of uniforms where oh, if people got melee, God. they might look kind of similar. So yeah, you didn't it was necessarily like, what, blue and gray? know. Yeah. Well, well, before then, like, you know, the South still oh. had like blue uniforms. Oh, yeah. it, it, it took like a good six months to a year before they outfitted in the gray. Wow. Yeah. And so so there was like some some of that similarity. So so anyway, this is, a huge, this is just a huge deal. Uh, you know, the first Confederate battle flag, you know, Custer's able to secure, you know, what he's luck. He's like, I know, <laughs> I he know. He's, that thing. <laughs> he's, he is living high on the hog. He So he gets praise from McClellan, gets congratulated directly. And uh, McClellan uh, congratulates him and uh, says, you know, this is a very gallant affair. Mm, what yes. a gallant affair, Custer. Uh, in June of 1862, so about a month after that, he gets promoted to captain. And then Damn, less Gina. than a month later, he gets uh, demoted to first lieutenant. Oh, oh so, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing, per se, sure. that he was bad, because there's uh, uh, a lot of flux with organizations sure. within the army at this time, because everyone's just kind of throwing things together by the seat of their pants, because nothing like this has happened before. So, uh, so, yeah, so no, they are, they're like, well, let's try this. We'll mm-hmm. plug you here. Yeah, exactly. So, from... Oh from July of 1862 till about September, Custer uh, you know, serves through several battles. Uh, a couple of the big ones are Battle of South Mountain and Battle of Antietam Creek, I've heard of uh, which Antietam you may have heard of. It was a very bloody battle. Yeah. Uh, fought on the fought on the banks of this creek, oh, uh, but God. he he was only uh, you know used in limited capacity. He wasn't leading troops or anything at that time. Oh, okay. Uh, and then June of 1863. He kind of gets a break here. He becomes the personal aide to Lieutenant Colonel Alfred Pleasanton. Oh, the Pleasanton. So Pleasanton was in charge of commanding the entire cavalry force of the Army of the Potomac. Oh, shit. Now, at the time, the Union doesn't have a huge cavalry. It's really just the Confederates that have most of the horses. So the Confederate cavalry, they've got the superiority. And that's also what enables Lee 
Robert E. Lee so sure. well to maneuver because he's got so many cavalry. He just knows where everyone is all the time. Wow. And but you know, of course, as the war goes on, you know, people the uh, know, they, they lose turn. they lose the horses, they lose the people, and uh, you know, lose your eyes. So Custer, during his service with Pleasanton, Custer's quoted as saying, "Quote: I do not believe a father could love his son more." Then General Pleasanton loves me. Oh my! Yeah, he's. It seems like Custer. He's a pleasant boy. It, it seems like Custer knew how to how to uh, pe- people please people. Yeah. Uh, he knew kind of what buttons to push to get them to do what uh, what he wanted. Uh, now Pleasanton's going to end up Sweet becoming a, uh, uh, a a general. Oh, uh, right. he's going to become major general of the, okay. of the cavalry. So basically again, there he's increasing Super in rank, boss. but there's also, you know, more ranks being created sure. alongside and under it. And this occurs after Abraham Lincoln replaces, uh, general George McClellan, which we just, re- we just yeah. talked about during the peninsula campaign. He replaces him with general George Meade. So we've got a lot of similar names George. here. That's yep. actually, you know, one of the. Good things about referring to people by their last names because there's so many Georges, so many Roberts. Oh, yeah. yeah there were only like, what, 12 fucking names <laughs> yeah, at this time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 Cassie, 12 respectable names. <laughs> respectable <laughs> names. Yes, you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, so so Pleasanton takes over, uh, you know, the cavalry and he's given a lot of latitude. Uh, he uh, Pleasanton's able to... Uh, go through and pick his own officers. Oh, and he's damn. specifically looking for men who are prepared to fight and lead attacks directly. So he, he wants men to, you know, to charge into battle. And this, you know, is, he's looking for crazy sons of bitches. Yeah, he really is. And the reason that they needed that is because McClellan was so conservative that, sure. I mean, there's, there's actually letters of George Washington writing to McClellan. Please attack. Get off your Please ass. attack. You know, it's like it's like 18 going to ask about George 18th Washington. 18th gentle reminder. <laughs> uh, hey, you please, are fighting a war. Please, yeah, yeah. And and he but but he was so afraid of Lee, he was afraid of making a mistake and he's waiting for this like perfect storm where he can, you know, just outfox him and beat him in one battle rather than, you know, trying to seize the initiative, you yeah, know, seize yeah, the yeah. day. He's not being bold. He's just yeah. being de- defensive and reactionary to whatever Lee's doing. He's not carpe and, nuts. And, the, and, you know, the longer that he waits, the stronger the Confederacy sure. gets because the Confederacy is able to, like, get their industry more up and running, able to get rifles and ammunition and cannons oh, and yeah. everything. Oh, yeah, Sam was saying, like, they had all the resources. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, down now, to cotton. Like mm-hmm. they had. Yeah, it, it took the, it took the North a while, but the North had a better industrial production system, which is which is, what's, which is what's which is what enables them to eventually, over time, you know, yeah. they they can just make more weapons. They can wow. they they have uh, they have a higher population. Oh, because sure. because of course you know it's more rural down south yeah. and of course more you know a out. good chunk of the population yeah. is going to be African American yeah, so, and slaves former enslaved and yeah. uh, or enslaved you know so they just they have a lot less people resources sure. to rely on although the people resources they have at the beginning like I said are these you know veteran experienced commanders. I, so wow, what a perfect like shitstorm of everything. Yeah, yeah, it's like they're they're deficient in one area, but then they make up for it really well in another. Yeah, area. yeah, yeah. Yeah. My gourd. Yeah, and I and I thought it was interesting that uh, you know Pleasanton wants people to charge 
uh, you know, or wants you know men to lead from the front. Sure. Because to me, that seems uh, like such a such a sketchy prospect as a commander. Uh, you know, it, it seems inspiring to men to be alongside fighting them, but you know, you it puts you in mortal danger first off. Yeah, and you're the commander, and it, it becomes even more compounded during this time later in the Civil War by uh, sharpshooters and snipers. Oh shit! Who yeah. are specifically looking for men on horses who look for off look like officers because yeah. they're just going they're going they're going to try to take you out because um, that's that's what their job is. You know, the whole. The job isn't necessarily killing every single person on the battlefield. Yeah. If you can like take out their commanders, then they just run away. Yeah. And, what are they gonna do? Yeah. They'll either sur- they'll fighting. surrender or you can you know attack them as they're running away. Yeah. The and, last... may, and maybe they leave stuff behind too. Uh, yeah. But, no you know, kidding. You, th- you can you, loot you can, them. Pick up pillage. ammo. <laughs> and Pleasanton's going to find that exact personality in Custer. Uh, Custer's going to, you know, take an officership with Pleasanton. He's going to become the bra- uh, brigadier general Ooh. of the volunteers commanding the entire Michigan Cavalry Brigade. They had a nickname. Wow. You want to guess what it is? Michigan Brigade. Yep. Think, think University of Michigan. Oh. Oh, fuck. The Walnuts? The Walnuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. The walnuts. What no, are they? unfortunately, Cassie. The, the, cor- the correct answer is the hazelnuts. <laughs> <laughs> I almost asked if you were serious for a second. Oh my god, that's hilarious. So, uh, Wolverines? Yes, the Wolverines. <laughs> oh my god, the eleventh hour, last try. Uh, trusty brain. Yeah, always yeah. comes in clutch. <laughs> Uh, you know, so at this point, Custer has, this is Custer's first direct command experience. Beforehand, right. he's basically been kind of doing scouting, doing these kind of other odd jobs, uh, you know, to support the, the commanders and officers. Sure. It seemed uh, a lot, though. He, like, I'm sure he saw, like, a lot of how, like, oh, things absolutely. worked. And, absolutely. Absolutely. Experienced by Yeah. And he, he, he gets appointed uh, as a brigadier general at the age of 23. Holy God! damn shit and i just that, got my first apartment <laughs> i know i know imagine being a general no at 23 where were you at 23 <laughs> in a two-bedroom apartment with my best friends yeah. and scraping and, by and this gives him the moniker the boy general god of course <laughs> the boy general uh so with this promotion custer gets a lot uh, a lot of control over how he can look um, now, normally oh. people think of Custer as kind of gaudy or vain. Okay. Kind of these long, flowing, blonde locks. Oh, shit. He and he's, a got, he's got a big old mustache. A uh, huge one, one of those where the mustache covers the mouth entirely. Oh, God. Yeah, the walrus gone. Stash, yeah. Yes, yes, the walrus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so normally, uh, you know, thought of as gaudy or vain, but history, uh, I found a historian who kind of had some insight for us. His name's Tom Carhart. He he says about Custer, quote, a showy uniform for Custer was one of command presence on the battlefield. He wanted to be readily distinguishable at first glance from all other soldiers. Jeez, not a great idea. He intended to lead from the front, and to him it was a crucial issue of unit morale that his men be able to look up in the middle of a charge or at any other time on the uh, yeah? battlefield and instantly see him leading the way into danger. Oh my God, Liberace on the way yeah. to battle. Yeah, this guy was Braveheart. Braveheart! 
Yes. Or he had a he had a brave heart at least. Oh my god. So uh, you know, at the, at this point, you know, Custer's got his generalship. He's commanding men, and we're about to get into Custer's finest hours of the Civil War. What he's you know where where his heroics and gallantry really come in. So at the end of June of 1863, Custer has been on the search for Confederate cavalry being commanded by General Jeb Stuart of the Confederacy. Oh, look for Jeb, boy. Mm-hmm, Jeb. Uh, Union commanders surmised that Jeb was trying to, General Jeb Stuart was trying to connect with Robert E. Lee to launch a massive attack into the northern states. Oh, yeah, probably. So remember, Confederacy has control of Virginia, except for the area around Washington, D.C. So, you know, they can attack pretty readily, like up north through Pennsylvania. Ah. So that's that's really where we're, you know, we're going to see a lot of action. You know, now, now just to kind of center yourselves, Gettysburg is located like in the south central of Pennsylvania. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So if you think of Pennsylvania, it's kind of like a rectangle right yes. below New York. It's like, just think of like in the middle at the bottom. Okay. Uh, and that's that's where, you know, all this all this crazy stuff is going to happen. Oh, Lord. So, uh, you know, Custer's stationed in the town of Hanover, Pennsylvania, which is about 10 miles east of Gettysburg. Okay. He's really confused because he hears gunfire coming from the northeast of town further away from Gettysburg. And he's really confused because all of his reports say that Robert E. Lee is somewhere south of Gettysburg. So he's, so the, the fight should be west oh, of him, God. not over here. And uh, Custer's able to drive them off. He's able to prevent, you know, what cavalry were there from joining, but he still doesn't have eyes on the main body of cavalry. Oh, Lord. The next morning on July 1st, Custer takes his, his troops north through a village called Abbottstown and continues the search for Jeb Stewart's cavalry, Confederate cavalry. By noon, Custer hears gunfire coming from the town of Gettysburg to the west of him. The battle has Son started. So Robert E. Lee has has kind of st- begun his initial skirmishes over there. Uh, and and by nightfall, Custer receives a missive that this is in fact the case. Lee has oh launched an God. attack on the Union forces that are stationed at Gettysburg. July 2nd. The next morning, and this battle happens in three days. Oh, so it's it's going wow. on for three days. And it's I know not, I learned about it, but I yeah, it's not to the last day that uh, you know things get crazy where everyone's oh, you know all the, lots yeah. lots of death on lots the third of bodies. Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So July second, the next morning, Custer receives orders to rejoin the army at Gettysburg, the Union Army at Gettysburg, to provide relief in some way. Now, it. as Custer, Custer's approaching uh, the city of Hunterstown, which is directly north of Gettysburg, okay. he finally lays eyes on the Confederate cavalry that he has been tracking for days. Oh, Lord. Uh, and, and it's just the vanguard. It's not the entire body. Oh, okay. So he, he, he's found like like a scouting party of, sure. uh, of about 200 of them. Holy God. <laughs> and luckily, he, he sees them before they see him. You know, which of course it's 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 always an an amazing thing when people don't spot cavalry because you think like oh it's just horses walking around. I mean yeah they make noise, but you wouldn't hear them like a mile away. But you sure. would see you would see the dust. Yeah. Kick oh up. yeah. That's what you that's been. what you would see. You would see the dust. So you would see them coming beforehand. Oh, wow. So Custer must have been moving like I don't know really slow or it was just a wet day. It was moist. <laughs> yeah, it was a moist day. <laughs> So Custer takes his t- Custer takes his troops. So they're on this road. 
headed to Hunterstown, north of Gettysburg. Custer takes his troops, puts like half of them uh, on each side, and then keeps a small portion in the middle uh, to bait the Confederates to attack him. Wow. So Custer gathers up all his troops and then throws a big old battle cry. Come on, boys. I'm going to lead you this time. Yes! (laughs) And this strategy worked uh, extremely well because the Confederate cavalry charged at Custer. Oh, my God. Um, So during the battle... Uh, you know they they charge at Custer, but uh, the 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 flanks of Custer he has hidden. They charge in. He, he Custer ends up losing half of his troops during this battle, oh and my. he's he's probably got like like there's 200 Confederates, and he's probably got like somewhere around 600 oh total troops. God. So it's it's not a not a, not a good time for him. His horse is also shot out <gasps> from under him. No, and he's thrown to the ground, which you know I mean that can easily kill someone. Uh, yeah, so, King Richard, whatever, Humpty so, Dumpty. So, you know, just uh, just lucky, lucky guy. Oh, my and he's, God. And he's laying stunned on the ground, and a rebel soldier <laughs> is walking up to to finish him off. To stab him, yeah, bayonet that yeah. bitch. And, and luckily, another Union cavalry guy happens to ride by at the same time and shoots this guy right before he's, like, delivering, no delivers the killing way. blow to a stunned <laughs> Custer. So... He shoots his assailant and then throws Custer on the back of the on the back of his horse. Come here, guy! And they, and they just take off. Oh, uh, wow. He ends up riding through the night to uh, this this city called Two Taverns, which is a city that's close to Gettysburg. Okay. Um, and he's basically just getting what's left of his soldiers prepared for the fight to come. Now the final battle plan that Robert E. Lee had at Gettysburg, his goal essentially was to, his goal was first off was only known by a few officers because Robert E. Lee Um, actually had a big issue earlier on where he made a blunder where he was uh, sending out like his battle plans to different parts of his army. uh So this probably would have been like the year before. Um, He sends out, you know, like all these riders and they, uh, one of them gets killed. And they capture the entire battle plan, and they're able to defeat Robert E. Lee like in the in the first battle ever. Uh, the Union is, and so you know after that, Robert E. Lee becomes a lot more cautious, cautious yeah. as to who he's telling this stuff to, and and you know how many writers he's sending out. He starts sending sure. out fake writers, of course. Um, but his primary goal here is to attack from attack Gettysburg from the south, tie up the Union infantry. There's a a hill uh, just uh-huh. south of Gettysburg called yes. Cemetery Hill. That's where the Union's entrenched. It's like a lightly wooded area, lightly wooded hill. Uh, if you go there, fabulous. And then there, and then there's yeah, and then there's a big there's a field, uh, you know, kind of south of it. And then the, yep. we're gonna have the Confederates further south. Wow. So Lee's goal is to try and tie up the union forces he's going to launch what was up until this point the largest artillery strike against the union forces there now the union like is planning for this to come they're at they're they're pretty well prepared here wow so so they dig fortifications and ditches and you know lee shoots off yeah Yeah. lee's gonna end up shooting off i think like 150 cannons like just God. boom, 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 boom. Could you imagine what that sounds like? No. Oh my gosh. No, I would only hear half of it, but no. Yeah. <laughs> so, so his goal is to basically drop a bunch of artillery on Cemetery Hill, 
charge up there with the infantry, try to defeat the Union, or at least tie them down, while Jeb Stewart's cavalry, which we find out oh. there's 6,000 of them. No! Holy <laughs> shit! Yeah. So he has... His goal is to get 6,000 of Jeb Stewart's cavalry to ride around the flank, which they've already successfully done, because uh-huh. Custer finds them. Uh-huh. Uh, and attack from kind of behind through uh-huh. the town... And yeah, to eliminate the Union artillery that's back up on the hill. Oh my god! And then, of course, obviously flank them and fight the fight the other troops as well and try to rout them. So, that's that's basically their goal at this point. Uh, Lee's trying to strike a you know a hammer blow to try and defeat the Union. A big old. Uh, But if he can't do that, then his goal is to just cause as much casualties as possible because these casualties they are going in every newspaper. People are getting demoralized, and yeah. you know, people are like, "Well, maybe, maybe we should just uh, make peace, knock it off, maybe yeah, we just at peace, world peace." <laughs> uh, peace. And uh, you know, it it becomes even more pressing that they just inflict as many casualties as possible. Oh the closer they get God. to 1864, uh-huh. because their goal then becomes. Well, we need to get Lincoln voted out of office so that we can get a president that's going to sue for peace with the Confederacy. Sure. Because they're because I mean, the Confederacy also has, you know, like Robert E. Lee's aware, you know, they have limited production capability because of the area, the country that they control. So 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 back to Gettysburg, you know, that's kind of the plan, you know, get get Jeb Stewart's cavalry around so that we can attack from the north and defeat the uh, the Union artillery. Oh, Lord. So Custer's given, before the battle, he's given command of 1,200 cavalry, and another brigadier general named David Gregg joins him with about 1,500 infantry uh, against Jeb Stewart's 6,000 cavalry. So they're outnumbered two oh to one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And they only have a few cannons to kind of back them up. Great. And, uh, you know, that was that was something they often did. You know, you use cannons to, like, cover the other elements of your of For your sure. Army. What you're lacking in manpower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So at noon on July the 3rd, the battle becomes joined between these two sides. Oh. Where Jeb Stewart's cavalry and Custer's cavalry and uh, the other Brigadier General Greg, his infantry, they clash. And it's, it's this ebb and flow of battle that lasts mm. for about an hour and a half. Uh, there's kind of this ebb and flow where, you know, the Confederates push in, but they run out of ammo, have to run back and resupply. Sure. So they lose the ground again and have to retake it. So that goes on for about an hour and a half, uh, until Custer's troops literally run out of ammunition and we are just in hand to hand fighting. The time has come for fisticuffs. Oh, no thanks. So seeing this as his troops are running out of ammo and the Confederates are just charging, you know, with reckless abandon into their lines, Custer leaps onto a horse and shouts, come on, Wolverines. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and then he le- and then he gathers the last 400 of the Michigan 7th Cavalry oh and charges head on into the Confederate lines. Great, great, uh, great. Love this for you. Yeah, and, 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 and it works. It breaks their line what? and they run. And then Custer takes, you know, him and the wounded and they go back under the... Uh, where their artillery is under, sure. that, under their artillery protection. Wow. So they fall back from, uh, you know, fall back there. And at about 3 p.m., Jeb Stewart begins to hear a uh, a sound of cannons. A rumbling. From, 
in the from in uh, the from Robert E. Lee's you know cannon barrage. Okay. So he begins to launch launch his final attack oh my God. to defeat Custer and overwhelm his position. Now, uh, the Confederate soldiers, you know, raid in a line and they uh-huh. draw their sabers out. And Custer's Custer only has like 500 men okay. right now in the line, and there's still a few thousand of these Confederates. And they start to charge, and one soldier comments, their sabers glistened like pure silver in the bright sunlight. Oh, and it reminded me so much of, uh, you know, I read that line. It reminded me so much of the Dothraki charge in the last season of Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, when Melisandre is going to grab the sword and she like uh, sets all their swords on fire. Uh, great effect. But that's that's what this reminded me of. So. Oh, my God. So, so the Confederates are charging with their, you know, lightning swords uh, or, <laughs> or sunlight swords, whatever you want to call it. Uh, outnumbered but unfazed, Custer draws his saber, throws off his hat. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> he he's gonna wiggle his head and get those locks free. Oh yeah! And then he shouts, oh. "Come on, Wolverines!" And that is as the two sides meet. So it's just two two cavalry charges charging at each other. Oh my it was God. so powerful that basically the front ranks of men, their horses just hit each other. Psh, and they're flying. Yeah. Just <laughs> they're getting launched. Uh, you know, Custer's men are being cut down and overwhelmed. Uh, you know, they're they're just getting slaughtered out there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. thankfully, there's another like union commander of infantry or the, these two union commanders. And they are like in a forest uh, kind of further away. Uh, but they are basically they basically have a conversation and are trying to they, they've been given orders to not move. You, you will not move, no matter what. Uh-huh. So Custer gets himself in a pickle, gets completely surrounded, and then these these two commanders decide, we're going to go out and we're going to attack. So they attack, and they're able to to force the Confederates to start fleeing. Wow. Now Jeb Stewart's able to rally them, and he's trying to push through Custer, but then Jeb Stewart hears the sound that he didn't want to hear, which was the sound of the Union artillery going off. So he knows that it's too late to save the Confederates, uh, you know, Robert E. Lee's divisions sure, attacking yeah. from the south at this point. probably not run straight yeah. into gunfire. Yeah, and, and, you know, it turns out what he's hearing is, you know, cannon fire that's coming from a picket's charge that happens during Gettysburg. Are you familiar with that at all? Uh. So so Pickett I is I believe I believe his name is George General George Pickett as of well. Uh, <laughs> another George. Another George. Uh, I I think it might it might not George be. cubed. But uh, I remember his last name. So Pickett he leads a a charge of infantry, twelve thousand infantry across in what's called Pickett's Charge. Yeah. And it's basically after the cannon barrage that Robert E. Lee does, they just oh. charge. But they have to charge across almost two miles of open terrain just open just open terrain and the problem is there's fences so they can't maintain their unit cohesion so they break apart and they're like a loose formation they're fucking um, and yeah they're hurdle jumping yeah and there yeah there's multiple fences they have to get over um the first fence you lose me i'm done yeah i'm not jumping yeah no yeah well it's probably not even that far you probably just like roll your ankle on the fucking <laughs> Let's go, guys. <laughs> One foot in the ditch. I, uh, I can't. I can't walk. Ah, I broke my cankle. You're on your can't own. Can't go to battle. I'll cover you. 
Thank you. <laughs> and and anyway, so so Pickett ends up, or, or Robert E. Lee has Pickett launch this charge. Uh, less than like two thousand of them survive. Oh, it's my. a freaking bloodbath. Oh. They they're able to like kind of reach Cemetery Hill, sure. where the Union's entrenched, and are able to gain a little bit of ground. But because of the artillery, they're able to just <laughs> push them back. Wow. And uh, you know, in the aftermath of Custer's fight, you know, because because this is happening probably like they're probably like two miles away from Gettysburg. So they are oh, okay. reasonably far away from where the main source of fighting is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why it's such a big deal that like these these random infantry commanders come to Custer's rescue because they're the only elements that are out there. Yeah. And you know, as a commander, you don't want to fight a superior force and then I'll die. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, you're like, oh, they were right. Yeah. I mean, you you think <laughs> you think that would be obvious, but uh, ah, shit, should have listened to George. Yeah. Now. Uh, uh, Custer ends up losing several hundred men, uh, you know, during his engagements with Jeb Stewart. Uh, but afterwards, Custer Custer's quoted as saying, "I challenge the annals of warfare to produce a more brilliant or successful charge of cavalry." And right after that, right after uh, Gettysburg, he gets promoted to major, major so, anal, yeah, major, major, <laughs> major of the annals. <laughs> At last, finally. <laughs> uh, That's also my stage name. So, so that is like his big kind of hurrah. You know, this is when Custer goes on to receive the promotion after Gettysburg, and for the remainder of 1863 and 1864, Custer uh, becomes uh, commander of the cavalry under a different Union general, uh-huh. Philip Sheridan. We got a Phil yeah, in got, the mix. We got a good old Phil. And he spends most of his time in 1863 and 1864 fighting in various different skirmishes uh, th- throughout primarily the Shenandoah Valley ah, okay. in Virginia. So, I know uh, the song. Yeah, yeah, you know <laughs> the song. So, yeah, Shenandoah Valley, it's just a valley like that's between the Appalachian Mountains and like the hills of Virginia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's really important anyway. The Confederates used it a lot to try and maneuver around the oh. Union armies. So, uh, you know, it was a constant place of contention. Uh, in April of 1865, Confederate lines finally break in Virginia. And wow. the Union is pressing the attack on Robert E. Lee. They're pushing him back, pushing him back, and they get him to retreat to a place called Appomattox Courthouse. That's a name. Yeah. Uh, now, Custer's cavalry, uh, the soldiers that are able to cut off Lee. So Lee is trying to, uh, I believe he's trying to cross a like river crossing. And he finally gets to this river crossing with his you know ragged soldiers. Because at this point, Lee's lost Gettysburg oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, on July 3rd. So July 4th, the, the fucking papers on July 4th had a hell of a fun time. Oh, I... Because it's just like, Lee finally defeated at Gettysburg. And Damn then, and then, bitch. and then, funnily enough, July there was four. there was another, you know, just a little bonus point of history here. There's another battle fought on July 3rd as well. Oh shit! In the West by Ulysses S. Grant. Oh shit! At a place called Vicksburg. Yeah. And he wins the battle the same day as Gettysburg, and Gettysburg gets this like full page like press, and then Ulysses S. Grant gets like, oh yeah, and uh, Ulysses S. Grant, he, uh, yeah, he, 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 he captured Vicksburg. Okay. I and I mean, it's equally important because that's the last 
Confederate stronghold on the Mississippi. So they've he cuts them in two. So oh, now the Confederacy is split in half. You know, like Texas, Kansas, wow. the Western yeah, states. Yeah, yeah, They're all on one side, cut off from uh, the rest of the Confederacy. Wow. So it hurts them quite a bit. But anyway, that was just kind but of But still, a, they're like, eh, Yeah. So so Custer's going to push Lee uh, to, Appomat- to force him to go to Appomattox Courthouse because Lee kind of gets ready to cross this, uh, this bridge and then sees all of the cavalry on the other side already waiting for him. He's like... So it's it's kind of getting over. And then Custer's also the one who receives the first flag of surrender from the Confederates. So he gets the first Confederate battle flag of the war, captures that. Oh, my God. Gets a horse shot out from under him. And he uh, he gets the the flag of surrender from Robert E. Lee's uh, Big dick swinging. Yeah, he's lucky SOB. That's for sure. (laughs) Right place, right time. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. Uh, and Custer's also present uh, at Appomattox when the surrender is officially signed. Wow. So Robert E. Lee fully surrendered unconditionally. To I the, to the just union. teabagging all over him. Yep. And then, uh, and then Philip Sheridan, General Philip Sheridan, who Phil. Custer's serving under, he gives the table that it's signed on to Custer. <gasps> He gives it to his wife as wow. a gift. He's just like, hey, here's this uh, here awesome piece of history. Yeah. You go ahead and take it. Keep it in the family. It'll yep. be worth it. And, and the table's, yeah, well, the table's in uh, the Smithsonian now. Really? Yeah, yeah when, his wife, cool. when his wife passed away, she, in like the 30s, she uh, donated it to the Smithsonian. Wow. Um, which, yeah, what a piece of history to, to like accidentally get. Yeah, no kidding. Um, about three weeks later, you know, so like I said, like like we've kind of passed the good stuff about Custer at this point, you know, with him, sure. you know, being this great leader, you know, caring about his men, being really competent and brave. Yeah. And we get kind of into the troublemaker and Cuckoo. villain. The villain stage. Of, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 he didn't die a hero, so he's going to become the villain. Sure. So, yup, yup, yup. <laughs> that's... Directly where we're headed. The Batman so on April 25th, about three weeks after the wars officially ended, Custer has the men under his command search for a prized racer, racehorse called Don Juan. No, not Don. Uh, they're in Virginia. And the horse itself was worth $10,000 at the time. Holy shit. It's like 300 grand, 400 grand in today's money. Oh my God. Uh, along with like his written pedigree uh, and and all of that information, and Custer rides this stolen prized racehorse through the Grand Review Victory Parade in Washington D.C. <laughs> and he creates a hell of a scene because the horse has never seen so many people. It throws him off and bolts into the crowd. Good. <laughs> just, oh my god! Just causes <laughs> chaos. Oh my the, God. the owner finds out that that he has this that Custer has this horse and stole it and rode it. Uh, so he writes to General Ulysses S. Grant and has him order Custer to return it. Uh, Custer naturally, yep, like you just did, he threw up that <laughs> finger and he he hid the horse and then he took the horse to a race, bet on himself and oh. won a race. Shut the fuck up. And then. That was later that year, and uh, the horse then died suddenly. 
Uh, yeah, I'm sure. So, R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. Secretariat. Um, yeah. So, so like I said, 1865 Don in Miller. June of 1865. Okay. Custer is sent with the cavalry to Texas to oversee reconstruction efforts. Okay. And provide support for local governments so they can return back to normality after the war. Uh, uh, right. it, it, now, his cavalry from Michigan are veterans. Uh, the, you know, they've known the him for, for years, the Wolverines. Uh, but there were others under his command, you know, especially people from Wisconsin. Uh, oh. They did not know him from the Civil War and thus thought of him as just an Eastern vein dandy. Yeah, a dick, a dandy. We and, talked about dandies last week. <laughs> in, in November... He was so disliked by the by the the uh, the Wisconsin cavalry in November of 1865. After being stationed there for about five or six months, his troops are being mustered out of Texas, being relieved, and while being replaced, there's a conspiracy by the by the Wisconsin cavalry to ambush and kill George Custer while he's Jesus. on the road on his way out of town. But one of them squawked. And he was able to well, nip that in the bud and prevent well, it from escalating to an even more untimely death. Wow. A few months later, in February of 1866, Custer's thinking about changing careers. He <laughs> He's just thinking, <laughs> you know, I've seen... I've been in the military for about four, uh, four or five years now. I've seen a lot of shit. Uh, yeah, and um, he's not even 30. Maybe it's time that I consider careers in railroading or mining. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Uh, but he also receives an offer to become uh, not the not the primary general. Uh, I, forget, I forget the name, unfortunately. But he's basically like right under the head general of the, uh, the Mexican government. So the Mexican president, oh. Benito Juarez, sends him communication and says, hey, I want oh, you for like my uh, my like number two or, or number three. Wow. And and Custer's, you know, he, he asked for a leave of absence to see if he could go try it out. General Grant agreed that he should have it. He okay. said, you know, if that's what you want, the then go ahead, go do it. Um, now, General Sheridan, uh, he wasn't really that happy about it. And also Custer's wife was not happy about it. Uh, you know, she traveled with him wherever they went, but, uh, you know, she was not high on the prospect of him commanding, uh, troops in another war because at this time Mexico is at war with Germany, Emperor Maximilian of Germany. They're fighting, they have a war together. Um, and it, it ends up get other generals end up testifying against him and it all gets kiboshed. He basically, they oh, basically tell oh, him, oh. Uh, you know, we don't like that. You want to leave the United States army and go command foreign troops. Sure. So uh, you can resign oh. uh, or, or not take it. And Custer ends up opting to not take it. Sure. He says, Nope, not Probably interested in that. Then. Move. Yep. In May of 1866, Custer returns to Michigan due to the death of his father-in-law and briefly has a a time thinking about becoming a congressman. Oh, okay. Yeah, he even uh, he even joined a uh, a union called the Soldiers and Sailors Union. Oh, alrighty. Uh, and he advocated for moderation when it came to punishing the South for the Civil War. So he okay. was trying to be kind of kind of a moderate. Sure. In July, a couple months later. Custer gets promoted to lieutenant colonel of the newly formed 7th Cavalry Regiment. 
okay. which is headquartered in, which was headquartered out of Fort Riley, Kansas. And they, he ends up participating in several different uh, skirmishes and incursions against the Cheyenne Indian tribe. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, in 1867, about six months, a year later, uh, he goes AWOL to see his wife because he's you know trapped out west without her Gotta and he gets get court-martialed he gets court-martialed for insubordination oh that's and sentenced though. to a one-year one-year suspension of command without pay Ooh. however general sheridan was in need of a veteran officer to help him in his campaign against the cheyenne indian tribe oh. and custer's luck continued his suspension got ended early uh oh. custer uh, uh served for about a year you know, once again, just more small skirmishes against the Cheyenne. Uh, November of 1868, though, Custer attacks the Cheyenne currently under the leadership of Chief Black Kettle mm. in what would be called the Battle of Washita River. Okay. So during this battle, he attacks a Cheyenne encampment on the banks of the Washita River. This is really notable because he he and his forces surround the village. They charge in. And they kill everyone. They kill men. They kill the warriors. They kill the elderly. They kill the women, the children. They kill them as they run away. Chief Black Kettle gets shot as he's running away. And they also kill their entire, uh, I don't know, uh, ranch or uh, herd of, yeah, they had a herd of uh, ponies. Oh, my God. 875. They killed. That's the report. Does that include the ponies? Uh, that was just 875 ponies. That's the ponies? <laughs> yeah, that's just the horses. And then Custer goes on to write about this battle. Quote, oh Indians contemplating a battle, either offensive or defensive, are always anxious to have their women and children removed from all danger. For this reason, I decided to locate our camp as close as convenient to Chief Black Kettle's camp knowing that the close proximity of their women and children and their exposure in case of conflict would operate as a powerful argument in favor of peace when the question of peace or war was discussed. So you were intentionally a bag of shit. Yeah, he he intentionally was planning on attacking these people. And now Custer's commander, General Sheridan, also... Has a uh, you know a bad quote about this uh, this battle. Cool. General Sheridan he writes quote to destroy Indian villages and ponies to kill or hang all warriors and to bring back all women and children that survived. The purpose of this total war strategy was to make all segments of Indian society experience the horrors of war as fully as the warriors. So that was that was General Sheridan's Where's writing. Where's your fucking wife Custer. and kids? Then you prick. Exactly. You know what the? There's so what the fuck white people. Mm-hmm. And so many of it. So much. So much of the uh, the conflict comes from just settlers continually moving west, breaking treaties, settling in lands they're not supposed to settle, and then the you know the Native Americans, the the tribes come in, they kill them for oh trespassing, my God. and uh, or, or not leaving because usually they would. Usually yeah. they would. Uh, yeah, fuck you. No, they would make a statement or something first, but then, uh, uh, you know, it, it would turn violent. And uh, you know, the the goal of Sheridan and Custer here was to use use uh, humans as shields to prevent the warriors of the tribes from attacking. But 
What? They ended up just attacking the settlement of the of the camp anyway, indiscriminately. So I'm not exactly sure how how close to that strategy they really kept. Uh-huh. Um, so you know they're able to capture, of course, many women, and they become uh, raped. They raped. Are, they are raped. Yep. Sounds about white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 become sexually abused. Uh, there's a historian by the name of Nathaniel Philbrick. Uh, he writes. Uh, there was a saying among the soldiers on the western frontier, Ugh. a saying Custer and his officers could hardly endorse, uh, and that saying is, Indian women rape easy. Oh, my God. I think I may actually throw up. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like I said, we have now entered a uh, villain territory. Yeah, this Custer. is definitely his villain origin story. Mm-hmm. Now, died that hero. Yeah, now, now, bonus, just like a little bonus trivia as I was uh, researching this. Is it fun bonus trivia? Uh, Yeah, I think so. So, have you seen the Tom Cruise movie, The Last Samurai? I love that movie. Yeah, I love that movie, too. Uh, so, Tom Cruise's character, uh-huh. he... He receives a lot of trauma that you find out throughout the movie during, you know, an attack where like women, children and everything yeah. are killed. And that is this attack. That's like what this is kind of based on, uh, you know, is is, you know, his trauma from having seen people that he knew were, yeah. uh, you know, cared about, you know, his friends and whatnot. Yeah. Be just get, fucking just get indiscriminately murdered and murdered. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be murdered by fucking monsters. Yep. So. So over the next five years. Custer's serving on the frontier against Indian incursions. In 1873, Custer gets sent to the Dakota Territory, where he leads an expedition into the Black Hills and unfortunately discovers gold and uh-huh. uh, prompts the Black Hills Gold Rush. That's so, his fucking fault. Yeah, he's one of the people who helped discover it and make it famous. Oh my! You know, which of God. course is going to lead you know to various different mining towns. Yup, um, and uh, Deadwood's more... close by. If you yeah. know, you know anything about Deadwood, uh, it's kind of the, the lawless town of the West. Yep. And then 1874 rolls around, and the the tensions between Indians and Americans have just skyrocketed. What? Things are not looking good for people. I'm shocked. The U.S. government ends up giving these tribes about a year and a half to move off the land that they're on and onto a designated reservation or be considered considered hostile combatants. In May of 1876, only a few months remained before the tribes were considered hostile, uh, but uh, the U.S. Army decided to go ahead and muster everyone and send in a huge army, which included Custer and his 7th Cavalry, cool. uh, to remove the Native Americans from the land forcefully. Early eviction. Yep, early eviction. Meanwhile, Chief Sitting Bull, mm-hmm. uh, he calls together the largest gathering of Great Plains Indian tribes in history to discuss, you know, wh- what are they going to do? You know, we're, we're yeah. kind of at our at our wits end here. And, you know, they've they've just pushed us and pushed us. They've broken all these treaties. We can't trust them. No. We can't trust, you know, the settlers to keep their word and not settle or farm our lands or hunt our, you know, hunt, you know, there. Because that's something that also isn't talked about is hunting. You know, Native Americans relied on hunting. Yeah. And, you know, there's all these fucking snow roaches coming in and fucking hunting their food. Yeah. Just killing everything indiscriminately, you know, without care to the, you know, ecosystem. Yes. And the habitat. 
Oh my god. Yeah. So May of uh, or sorry, June of eighteen seventy six. Should not have shown us how to grow maize. Custer receives word that there's a large encampment of Indians along the Little Bighorn River. Now Lakota scouts knew of his presence. So rather than wait until the next day and attack a prepared enemy, Custer decides, you know what? Uh, I'm going to divide my army, which is only, which I'll tell you how much it is, but it's only a few hundred men. Uh, I'm going to divide them into three parts mm-hmm. and, you know, station them pretty far away from each other. So they can't help each other. And each of them has a different commander. Due to his forces being split up, the Indian tribes just immediately launch a counterattack. Great. They're able to overrun one of the forces completely, uh-huh. very quickly. Meanwhile, Custer and his forces slowly uh, get attacked, you know, just slowly picked off, and they get driven to the top of a hill by Crazy Horse. Mm-hmm. Now, Crazy Horse mounts a, an attack that finally breaks Custer's cavalry line. Uh, many of the soldiers threw down their weapons in desperation, and they're running towards Custer because they're looking for their commander. So they're all running towards Custer. Oh my God, yeah. Most of them don't make it, though. Uh, Custer has about 50 other men at the the hill, and they kind of form their last stand. His remaining soldiers up there, they just slowly get picked off. Indians would pick up the rifles. They would uh, take the ammunition from the dead soldiers. So as U.S. soldiers died... Their their attacks decreased, but Native Americans just picked up more guns and just sure. used them against them. And it got it got so desperate that Custer ordered them to shoot their horses to create <gasps> makeshift walls to fortify their position. Oh, but it was all for naught. They ended up becoming yeah they ended up becoming overwhelmed. And uh, you know Custer's among the dead, all his troops with him, uh, and that included. Four members of his immediate family who were there. Oh, my God. So Custer dies. His brothers, Thomas and Boston, both die. His 18-year-old nephew, Henry, dies. And his brother-in-law dies. Okay. After the battle, one of the uh, Lakota women, who uh, who is uh, an oral historian, talked about Custer's death uh, later on after the battle. And, you know, she's quoted as saying, quote, you smoked the peace pipe with us. Our chiefs told you that you would be killed if you ever made war on us again, but you would not listen. This will make you hear better. And then the woman took an awl, A-W-L. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, from their from their sewing cases and stuck them into Custer's ears saying, here, this will help you hear better. Good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, Custer had about uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 to 600 men that he then split up into three different portions. So he he severely limited himself by not keeping them all together. Yeah. And then Lakota had somewhere between 1,800 and 3,000 warriors. Oh, so so he just, he was like, he grossly grossly underestimated the size uh, and. Uh, you know the resourcefulness, the resourcefulness, and also the desperation. Uh, sure. Of of you know them, you know. I mean, they. You know, I didn't read a lot of you know accounts on what maybe Sitting Bull or Crazy Horse thought as they saw Custer, oh. but it would be interesting to you know yes. see what their point of view was. You know, did they instantly think, oh, they're going to attack us, or you know, did they just yeah, oh, we're were they were they or, waiting oh, we for him to make the first move? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is our chance to inflict some. Yeah, that'd be really interesting. Yeah. 
So he, like I said, he grossly underestimates. There's actually a uh, a battlefield cemetery located on uh, the hill at Little Bighorn. Wow. Yeah, you can actually go there and see I it. Didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it has uh, the battlefield. They they put uh, uh, gravestones there. Wow. For, for all the soldiers that that died. Now, after the battle, his wife Elizabeth, who he he married in 1864, would never bear him children because Custer was <gasps> sterile from having from contracting a venereal disease uh, at West Point. Weird. And she would survive him for another 57 years. Oh, 57 years. <laughs> yeah, she lived a long life. How old was for that he time. when he died? How old was he? He was born, I think he was uh, 40. In his 40s? Yeah. Wow, she did live a long-ass fucking life. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think he was 40. I think he was like 37, maybe. So his wife, Elizabeth, she, in the 57 years after his death, you know, she worked tirelessly to uh, kind of romanticize his image into that of a tragic American, American war hero. You one way or the other, yeah. And, and, that's, and that's where it went for a long time. That's what it was. You know, a lot of soldiers were galvanized by this killing. You know, it's sure. like, he's a martyr. Um, there's, there's further... Yeah, well, that's that's what they thought. Uh, for, further, further romanticizing occurred when Anheuser Busch, the beer makers, oh. they commissioned a painting of Custer's Last Stand God, that would end up being put up in many saloons in the West. So it's actually a really famous painting. If you if you yeah, look it up, just I'm look up like sure. like Anheuser Busch Last Stand. You'll probably be able to find it. I'm pretty sure I know exactly what yeah, picture it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, so so it gets kind of romanticized in that way. Wow. And uh, Custer also knew uh, Wild Bill Hickok. Yep. And he also knew Buffalo Bill Cody. Oh, my God. Yeah, he knew both of those guys. They both served under him. It, that It's so weird to, like, put different, you know, historical characters together. I know. And you're like, oh, these fucking bitches were bros yeah they were they they knew each other that custer commanded them they were his scouts uh he would have taught them taught them things uh now at, at buffalo bill cody's wild west show yes he creates a scene of custer's last stand oh that, my god that goes on for quite a while and after native americans become you know displaced or forced onto reservations uh he even is able to get actors Native American Indian actors who were actually there at Little Bighorn oh to play the bad guys in in the, his yeah in, in his, his his show telling of wow yeah so it was really con, uh it was really considered a loss of you know a hero of the United States yeah and, uh, you know like I said just galvanize them to push even further you know get even more angry and. And Holy just continue shit. the removal of of the Indians, you know, and that uh, you know that really ends the tale of George Armstrong Custer. He was a historically infamous character, capable of heroic deeds and villainous acts. You know, he was uh, uh, cheered for great tact and decision making in one part of his life, but plagued by lack of morality. That was pervasive among the United States government yeah. during the manifest destiny period of Western American expansion. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, and 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 just a few interesting facts to conclude here. You know that I that I kind of looked up after the fact. Yeah. Uh, so there was a uh, a term called Custer luck. <laughs> okay. And not to be confused with uh, you know clusterfuck. Because that's that's exactly what I read it as. Oh the my first god, time. Custerfuck. So, Custerfuck. So, that's the so, name of the episode. So it was <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so, so, so this saying Custer luck arises during the civil war be, uh, or after the civil war, uh, because Custer ended up having a total, a grand total of 11 horses shot out from under him. Son of a bitch. And he did not get injured. What? Yeah. And, and what's, what's crazy is like just how lucky he really is because there's a, I forget the name of the commander, but there's a battle in the Civil War, where the commander gets like shot in the arm, and he's still like commanding his troops, trying to keep Union cohesion, uh-huh. and then his horse gets shot, and like he falls with the horse, and the horse just lands on his leg, crushes his leg, he bleeds out and dies. Yeah, uh, you know, so it's just amazing. Yeah, a horse that, is a big fucking bitch, yeah, especially those ones that they yeah, were using. Yeah, it'll it'll crush you for sure. So yeah, 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 yeah. He must have you know practiced his like jump from a dying horse. Oh. Oh my God! Can you imagine? Yeah, and, and he what he did become quite vain later on. He was known to scent his hair with cinnamon oil. Dandy took care, you Dandy know, like fop. I said, took great care of his appearance. You know, really cared about his uniform, his look, uh, wow. and his and his long gold locks. Uh, you know, Custer was unique in that he brought along journalists on a lot of his campaigns. Oh. So there's actually, uh, you know, a significant amount that was written about him. You know, a, 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 lot, a lot of it's, you know, positive. Because um, he knew how to yeah. make an image. He knew the the optics of the situation, so to speak. And, and Custer actually wrote a lot. He actually wrote a book called My Life on the Plains uh, that oh. you could go buy. I didn't have a chance to read that one. I'm good. But... <laughs> Yeah, and then <laughs> and then his appearances in popular culture. So he's nice he's in so Indians. many he's in so many different uh, indirectly. You know, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of uh, soldiers or bad guys in Western type movies mm-hmm. that are based on him. May even look like him, even sure. though they're named something different. Yep, yep, yep. Um, uh, you know, there was a bunch of movies in the beginning of the 1940s. Uh, one of them was called Santa Fe Trail, where a young Ronald Reagan. Mm-hmm played George Custer mm-hmm. alongside Errol Flynn and uh and Errol Flynn ends up playing so Ronald Reagan plays Custer in this movie a year later Errol Flynn plays Custer in another movie called They Died with Their Boots On I have and, seen that movie Yeah and and you can see like it's you know this way to re- rehabilitate yeah. and you know ha- uh you know really uh, construct an image Yeah What wow that's amazing Yeah Thank you so much. Uh, I don't think that I could have dove that deep on my own. Of course, it was. It <laughs> That's was, a lot. Yeah, it's and it's heavy. Yeah, I like that you covered his hero in hero quote quote and villain. Fucking. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, he was the hero. I mean, at the he, time. he was he was a hero at the time. He yeah. was. He was also just extraordinarily lucky. Um, which then you know you just yeah. see it like get out of control as he gets older and. 
becomes a rapist and becomes uh, you know, a murderer. The fucking worse. Mm-hmm. Damn. I wonder if that venereal disease did something to him. Yeah. It, yeah. Did he have syphilis or was it, it specific? So I think I remember reading that it was gonorrhea. No, oh, I uh, don't know what effects that has yeah, I, on your. I don't know either. But that was what they suspected he had uh, wow. that he had contracted at West Point. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow, that is fucking insane. Um, like I said, thank you so much. Ah, uh, fuck. Thank you. It was so great to share that with you. You know, I had such a great time reading the book, and I'm so glad I was able to kind of put more background and context yeah. around Custer so that we could kind of see, you know, that there was kind of some good there. You know, yeah, he did do he some had depth to him yeah, at one point. Exact depth. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. There's, there's more depth to his character than just, uh, you know, the vain and glory seeking portion of him that you yeah. may know about. Uh, yes. That's definitely much more, I don't know, referred to mm-hmm. anymore. Cause I, I'm sure that, you know, he was glorified and all that, like you said, in the 30s and on. And then, like, the more it turned, it was like, you know, he's a ruthless badass. And then it was turned a little bit more like, oh, he's probably not cool, but he did a lot for us. (laughs) Yeah, and and that was kind of uh, the thinking there, is that he had done so much to help save the Union that maybe... It, because so many of the reports of soldiers that he served with there. Oh, sure. They they were all positive. Loved him. They loved him. You know, they couldn't say, you know, James Kidd, who who wrote the book that, that kind of inspired me today. He, uh, you know, he writes several times, you know, just about how kind of pure and caring. Sure. Custer really sure. could have been. You know, and it, you know, it's a shame that he strayed so far from that character. Yeah, I yes, for sure, because I yeah, he seemed like a pretty cool dude mm-hmm. at the beginning. Fuck. Well, uh, I I don't know any way to segue into get that shit. <laughs> so well. we're just gonna go on to get that shit. Yeah, let's go. Sweet. So this uh, week for you guys, I have a uh, more of like a suggestion of an entire store to go and browse. It is an Etsy store. It's, I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to say the name right, but Tala and Bert on Etsy. Uh, They have so many different things. But one of my favorites is a geode planter. Yes. Oh, man. Look, your wife would adore them. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And it's an African-American owned and run business. Wow. What was the name of that again? It's Tala and Bert. Tala and Bert. T-A-L-A-N-Bert. (laughs) <laughs> or I'm sorry, it may be Tal and Bert because I literally just looked at it again and it says and I just thought it was an in Tal and Bert. I didn't see the D. Uh, so. So how big are the planters? Uh, they come in multiple sizes, multiple. So we have uh, different shapes as well. 
different depths. And they don't just have geode planters, Malcolm. They have uh, geode crystal soy candles as well. Yeah. For all your scenting needs. Yes, for all your scented needs. Absolutely. If you're not, if you don't have like, you know, lavender in your geode planter, Uh, But yeah, they come in multiple, like I said, multiple different sizes, different depths, different shapes. We have um, some like hexagons and we have tall cylinders. Yeah, just a whole bunch of stuff. And they have um, different bottoms in the pots. Some have holes, some don't. Some plants require more moisture than others. But yeah, make sure that you guys go and visit. Uh, I'm going to say Tal and Bert. I think that that's probably the best way (laughs) to go about it. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry if I am mispronouncing it, but I have a soy candle and a planter in my cart right now. Yes. So make sure you guys go and check them out. They range anywhere from uh, about $18 to 30. uh, I'm sorry, 42, 50. So depending on what size pot you want or what size candle. All righty. Well. Actually, Cassie, I also have a get that shit for you today. Fucking for perfect. All of us. So we talked a lot about the Civil War today. Yeah. And one of the uh, the uh, uh, charity and nonprofits that I found <gasps> accidentally found them via their YouTube channel. Oh, my God. It's a charity called American Battlefield Trust. And this is an American nonprofit that works on preserving the battlefields of, oh, wow. of the Civil War, of the Revolutionary War, any any type wow. of conflict that has happened here. They work on restoring and preserving those battlefields. Uh, they, like I said, they have a YouTube channel, which is how I kind of stumbled oh upon God. them and they do, uh, you know, short historical videos, kind of give you a little glimpse oh or a blurb God, into something. Cool. And then they also do live streams and, uh, sometimes tours of the different battlefields or different civil war locations. And they actually will have like a historian walk around and, you know, kind of point and show you things, uh, yeah, you know, I've where, been to where, Gettysburg. where maybe soldiers I... were or where, wow. Or where, you know, these officers met right here at this spot, you know, for example. I would love it's really to do interesting. another yeah, and tour you can, like that. Yeah, and you can go to their website, www.battlefields.org. Oh, okay. They're and not pulling the wool over your eyes. <laughs> no, no, they, they are... Simple, sweet. Simple in your face. And they love have, it. you know, tons of different membership options. And, you know, it's such a good, uh, uh, you know, a good good nonprofit charity to be able to support that's awesome so one more time for us uh the charity is called american battlefield trust yep that's what their youtube channel is called also if you oh want to perfect um i will make sure to uh put them in shout outs so you guys don't have to search for them on your own you can just go to our instagram profile and you can find it there in the latest posting speaking of Instagram and whatnot. While you're donating to such a wonderful nonprofit and buying your planters and candles and what have you, make sure that we are in your earballs. You can listen to us on Podbean, Hail Podbean, uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and more. You can find all of those on our Instagram bio at GTS underscore podcast. While you're there, please make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe 
so we can continue to grow this shit. Check out our link tree to find our website, episode resources, and much, much more. You can always holler at us at GTS with Kaylee and Cassie at gmail.com. If you have a small business idea that you want to hype up or a topic that you don't want to do homework on, send it our way. Uh, again, Malcolm, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Can't wait to come back and chat some more history with yes, you. Yes, I can't wait. I. What are you going to do next to top this one? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm going to have to find uh, more more uh, gray characters out oh, there in history. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, all right, my dudes. You have a great week, and we will see you next time. Love and light. Love and light. Bye. Bye.